The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. I want to look at the fact of uh, us growing up in God's family. Uh, how we grow up and how we connect with God and how we deepen our relationship with God, how we move on with God, how we also increase our relationship with our brothers and sisters who are around us. We want to look at those things. And the way that I started looking at it last week was looking at my own testimony and trying to draw things out of my life and the things that have happened to me so that they might spark something with you. Now, it doesn't mean to say you're going to have every one of the same uh, uh, experiences that I myself have gone through, but many of them I do want you to have because I want you to be encouraged and I want you to grow in God. I recognizing that growing up in the family, just as growing up as a child, you know what, there are happy days and there are days where there's some challenges. That, that's life and we understand what that's like in a family. You know, in a family situation, one of the key things is that people stick together and they work through stuff together. That's a key thing about family. And you know what the glue is? It's love. It's the fact that we love each other. And that's very true in the kingdom of God as well. We need to be rooted and founded in God's love and we need to continue to press into the love of God because that helps us. As I say, again, this week I'm going to be unpacking some of my own story to help us, because I want to point out the things that have meant so much to me, or where God has worked in my life, or done things in me, and, and I am nobody special. I'm just somebody who was a sinner who came to Jesus and asked that Jesus would come into my life. So enable me to be able to sing that song, Blessed Assurance, with a greater hope in my heart, that he would bring the things of heaven down to me, and encourage me and strengthen me. I am nobody special. God has given me a function in the church. Yes, I recognize that. But he's given each of us a function in life, in the things that we connect to. What is important is that we're growing up in God and we're seeking to press on into him. He wants to lift us out of darkness and bring us fully into the kingdom of his son where we can show the goodness of God around us and to those who are around us. That's what God has designed for each one of us. So as I'm unpacking my story, I don't want you to look to think, oh, this is all right for him. That's what he went through. God has got no interest in me. That really isn't true. God has got great interest in you because he has called you into being, he has chosen you, and he has brought you this far, and he wants to take you on from this place. God has a purpose for your life. God wants to operate in your life and to stir your heart. So we want to be open to that. Last week I started, as I say, talking about my own experiences, but I was talking particularly about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you like, my first point, again, I'm going back to that power from on high, because that's what happened when the Holy Spirit came on those first disciples. And I want to unpack this a little bit, because there is a sense in which I don't want to labor the point that we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I want to say it to every one of us here, every one of us, we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
Now, the thing is, for some of us, we've had some experiences, or we, we can pray in tongues, or we can't pray in tongues, or this is for me, or that isn't for me, and there's all sorts of ups and downs in this, but I, I, I keep coming back to it because this is a key factor of us growing up in God. I talked to you last week about that time when I began to be able to pray in tongues, and it was significant. And I believe that God will release that gift upon the life of every believer, can release that gift upon the life of every believer, because God wants us to connect with him. The key way that we connect with God is through prayer. And we were praying for some people last week. Maybe we didn't get the opportunity to pray for you. Maybe you were thinking, I don't know whether this is all for me. This is for you. The Word of God declares this is for you. It's for sons. It's for daughters. It's for young. It's for old. It's for everyone who will call upon the name of the Lord. That is what it is for. It's not for the special people. It's not for the elected people, those who are chosen, and and it's not for me, therefore. Everyone who has been called by the Holy Spirit is chosen by God. And he wants to impart this gift because this gift is life from heaven. And I don't know about you, but I have found without the life from heaven coming to me, I find it difficult to live this life on earth because there's corruption in me. Now, somebody I know mentioned to me last week, and they know quite a lot about my life. They said, last week, hang on, you forgot some of your story. So I said, which part? Which part? I thought I was being quite methodical going through this. And they said, they forgot to mention the time when you got drunk and you ended up in a, in a police station. I said, oh, well, that's because that's embarrassing. No. Look, there was a time, I was 21 years old, and you know what? 21 years old is a significant time. I was at work, some mates from work said, come out to the pub, have a drink with us, celebrate your birthday. Okay. So we had a couple of drinks, and it, time seemed to go, and a few more drinks, and then somebody said, oh, let's have a glass of champagne. You know, anyway, I was on my way home. I know that. I then have a sort of a memory lapse, and then I recall my father being in the police station saying, yes, officer, I will take him home, and the policeman saying there won't be any charge because we realize it's his birthday, so we're going to let him off on this occasion. I'm not quite sure what happened in between time, and it's not that I want to glorify that particular event. I want to say to you, listen, every one of us goes through stuff. None of us is perfect. We make mistakes. Sometimes it's getting drunk when we shouldn't have done. We know what the Word of God says, but you know what? We stray away from the Word of God. But what I want to show you is, in the midst of this story, God was gracious to me. God was gracious to me. And God wants to release His power from on high onto us. You know, we know all these scriptures that talk about the fact of Jesus came to set the captives free. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. We understand those things, but it's also written in scripture that Jesus has come to baptize in the Holy Spirit. He has come to do that. And whilst we're urgently waiting for him, we want salvation from you. Salvation is just the doorway. God wants to open the doorway and pour his life into you that you might be an agent of glory here upon the earth. That is what he wants to do. You are not an ordinary person. When you come to Christ, you become an extraordinary person filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He sends his spirit to live in you. In you. Christ in us, the hope of glory, is what the Word of God declares. 
And Jesus said to his disciples, guys, I want you to remain in Jerusalem. I'm going, but I want you to remain in Jerusalem because I will send the Holy Spirit. I'll ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And we need power to live this life. We need power to overcome. We need power to overcome the temptations. You see, you can get into a habit. I did get drunk that night. Yes, it was my birthday. There's loads of excuses. Listen, there are no excuses. What we do is we fall into the trap of living according to the flesh, not according to the spirit. And whether it may be an obvious thing like that, you know, or we can all tut at that, but what about the hidden things that we know is not leading us in the right way? The things inside of us that we're battling with, and they may be different for you than from the person sitting next to you, but there are the hidden things that we're also battling with. He gives us power to say no and to overcome through the Word of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus wants to bring us this power from on high. He wants to do it in your life. And I want to speak to those that have let these gifts lie dormant who are not using this gift of being able to speak in tongues. And I'm emphasizing it. I know there are many gifts, and I can preach about the whole spectrum of the gifts. But I tell you this, the gifts do not flow unless you are connected to the giver of the gifts. Okay? It doesn't work like that. They can operate out of the flesh. And the enemy can also deceive us through things. We have to be connected to the source. And that is why I emphasize the gift of tongues, because it's all about connectivity. I could be just saying prayer. Prayer is the language of dependence upon God. Prayer is the language of connectivity. Put it like this, no prayer, there isn't much connectivity. And without the connection with heaven, how can you bring the things of heaven down to earth? We can't. Because they are a mystery to us, we are separated from them because we have lost connection with God in heaven. And the function of us here upon the earth is that we are able to draw the affairs of heaven down to earth and make God known amongst the people upon whom we have life with. So I am emphasizing it. I am re-emphasizing it. I am talking about this, not because I want to bore people or because I want to put anybody on the spot, but because I want you to know this. God is for you, not against you. And what he has done for me, he can do for you. That is the key thing. It's not look at other people and call them special. Call upon God and say, here I am, wholly available to you. Come and visit me with your power. Come and anoint me for the purposes for which you have created me, that I may fulfill your purpose here upon the earth. God wants to release his power upon our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I talked about that fact of my fall from grace, and that was only one example when I was 21 years old. And again, the reason I mention that is because this is not about perfection. God works through imperfection. God's grace is amazing. As I have grown up in my Christian life, I now understand the grace of God, not just because of word, because I recognize God's grace is truly this. He acts with long-suffering patience towards us. That's where he is gracious. With our children, so often with a child, you, you train a child in the way they're to go. That's what the Word of God says. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. However, during the training process, there seems to be a lot of straying. 
So you say to them, please don't do that. And, and a few seconds later, you're saying, uh, please don't do that. And then a few seconds later, you're saying, like, how, did you hear me? I said, please don't do that. You know, that's training. And there is a tendency that we have to keep on doing the things that we shouldn't do. Now, when it's a child, your child, your love takes you through that. Yes, there are times, believe you me, where your love can get strained and where there's some encouragement given to the child to maintain the right track, whether it be a naughty step or whatever it might be. But when it's people who are not so close to you, your work colleagues, they can get a point with people where you think, like, I'm just fed up with them, I want nothing more to do with them. Because if they will not listen to me, they're not going to take my advice, they've got no interest in listening to me, what good is it? And you want to part from them because it, the burden gets too much. The frustration builds up to a point where you don't want to know. I, I'm talking the truth here. But God doesn't act like that towards us. And whenever I see that, I think to myself, God, you are merciful to me. I deserve to be pushed to one side. I deserve to be disciplined. I deserve to lose your attention because of my continued disobedience and the focus that I have on just following my ways. But you, O oh Lord, are gracious to me. You are long-suffering. And what I'm describing in these things is this is the grace of God that has been given to us. And you know, in the scripture, it, it talks a lot about the grace of God. And actually, in some of the teaching that I've even grown up through, a lot was spoken of the grace of God. And a lot is good about what was spoken from the point of view, we don't want to get legalistic. It's not what we do that gets us into heaven. It's what Jesus has done. However, there can be a tendency in teaching that starts to say, well, you know what? It doesn't matter if you don't read your Bible. It doesn't matter if you don't pray because God's grace will come to you. And it's true that he gives us space. However, that can get to a place where we no longer bother with those things because we just say, well, God loves me as I am. And we start to misuse the grace of God that has been given to us because it's true that God's grace has been given for change. Paul writes about this in Romans because he says in Romans 6, well, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? And of course he comes out, of course not. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? And then in Romans 6.15, he says, Well then, shall, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? And you see, there's this idea that Paul is expressing. What we have is we think like, we just want to stay as we are. We want to do the things that we want. That is not what God's desire is. God's desire is that his kingdom is established in you. God's desire is that your mind is changed so you start to think his ways. God wants you in alignment with his purposes so that he can pour out his love through you to affect the world. But if we want to keep going our way, then we're actually rebelling against God. And when we say, like, no, I don't think I want to go that way, I want to go this way, because you know what, it suits me. What we're identifying there is the pride of ourselves. The fact that we want to go our way. We want to do what we want to do. And I noticed that tendency in my own life. But again, in his letter to Titus, Paul talks about this grace. What is this grace like? How can we understand this grace? 
And in Titus 2, 11 and 12, he says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation, which it does, because it's through God's grace that we have salvation. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. Listen, if the grace of God is not affecting your life in a way that is causing you to want to change towards being more godly, then you're not dealing with the grace of God. You're not listening to it, you're just trying to obey your own flesh. God's grace, his wonderful grace, his long-suffering nature, that's how I like to describe it, The fact that he puts up with us when we keep on doing the same foolish things again and again and again. The fact that he is merciful and comes to reach into our lives. That is the grace of God. But it's been given to you to make space that you might stop doing that and that you might learn to walk in his ways. I thank God for his grace. Where would any of us be if it were not for the grace of God? if he had not given us that space, if his demand had been, you've got to do this right now, and we hadn't done it, we would be lost. But his grace has been given to us. Folks, we need to have power from on high, and we need to understand the grace of God that has been given to us. Not that we may abuse it, but that we may take hold of the grace and find encouragement to get change in our lives through what God has been doing. So, Power from on high, the great grace of God. And thirdly, my third point as looking through this story, and I haven't unpacked a lot of my story yet, but I just want to bring these points, is about born again. Being born again. Now, we talk a lot about being born again. And we know that uh, Jesus, when he encountered the religious leader Nicodemus, this guy Nicodemus, who is one of the Jewish ruling council, he came to Jesus at night because he wanted to come undercover. He says, wow, we've been hearing about the things you've been doing. But according to our laws, we think this, but we're right encouraged with how you're behaving. So he comes to Jesus to ask him some questions. And Jesus just says to him, look, you're a religious leader of of the Jews, and yet you don't know these things. Unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. This is in John chapter 3, we read of this encounter. Unless a man is born again... He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And we rightly look at that scripture as telling us about the need for salvation. We need to be saved if we're going to enter into the things of God's kingdom. We can't get in any other way. You need to be born again. And of course, Nicodemus raises the whole issue like, like I'm a man. What are you talking about, Jesus? Do you mean that I've actually got to go back to the very beginning, fit inside my mother's womb, get born again? And it wasn't a literal thing, but nevertheless, Jesus was giving him the understanding. You've got to go right back to the beginning and start again. You've got to come out new. You need to be born again. You've got to start life over again. And you can do that by what I give you, the new life that I give you. We understand that. But there's another emphasis that I want to put on this thing of being born again. Because we think of it in terms of just salvation. And yet there is an understanding we need to be born again in the whole of our attitudes to the whole of life. We don't realize how much we get affected by the customs and the systems of the way of life that we have grown up in. Now, I've got one example, which I'm going to use this morning, and that is 
For us here in the UK, we are brought up to be time conscious. <coughs> Hold with me through this. Okay, hold with me through this. We're brought up to be time conscious. So as a child, you'll learn to tell the time. And it takes us a while to get used to that, especially as it's so complex. 25 to, 25 past, all this stuff, you know, the numbers. But eventually we get to the point where we can tell the time. And then when we've told the time, we start to give the understanding of the importance of time keeping. This is right, isn't it? We teach this in our schools. We become this. So as a society, certainly in the Western world, but certainly in the UK, you know that we become guarded by the time. I'll meet you at such and such a time. Okay, it's going to begin at this time. The concert starts at this time. You need to be there for this time. And we guard ourselves according to time. And you know what? We pride ourselves in being good timekeepers. And we admonish those who don't quite fit in. That's true, isn't it? We, well, you, you can't keep good time. Listen, when I said I was going to be here at 7.30, I meant 7.30. I didn't mean 7.32. I meant 7.30. We get that edge to us about timekeeping. Then we come to read the scripture. As people with that mindset, we come to read the scriptures, and in the scriptures we find that the Bible says this. For instance, in Hosea 10, verse 12, So for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord, hallelujah, what time is that? And then he goes on to say, until he comes. And suddenly we find a scripture that's talking about time but there's no limitation given to it. The only thing it says is, I want you to seek my face until you have the answer from heaven that you are looking for. Now, how does that fit into the mind of somebody who's been trained to say, like, well, I'm going to watch the time. I'm going to allocate time. I'm going to make space, certain spaces. So when it comes to prayer, we say, well, prayer, I can give five minutes. I can give ten minutes. When it comes to prayer, I'm going to give God a special treat. I'm going to give him 15. I'm going to give him half an hour. In fact, it says I need to seek the Lord. I tell you what, I'll make it an hour of prayer. And all the time we're using the mindset and the cultural experience that we have come through to guard what we're doing. And God says you need to be born again. You need to change your thinking. Because I'm not interested in you limiting me. I'm saying to you, you need to seek me until I come. And suddenly in the Western world we're fine. We're locked out. Now we introduce those who come from a nation where timekeeping is not necessarily the first priority. And we find they don't have the same problem as we have when it comes to scriptures like this. So we need to be born again because we need to come into salvation. But that's not the whole thing. We need to be born again because our mindsets are locked in certain things that is not about good or bad. And in this example, I'm not judging one nation against another. I'm just using a cultural experience that we have that has kept us in a certain way of thinking and limits us because we find it difficult to come before God and say, God, here I am. Time is of irrelevance. I'm here until you come. We go, well, hang on, what about I can't do that? I've got to go home for tea. I've got to have this. What's going on? You don't understand. I've got all these meetings. You, you God. You can't. And God is saying, I want you to be born again in your thinking. 
You started off with salvation, but you left it there. I want you to go right back. You need to start right from the beginning. You need to come at things from my perspective, not holding on to cultural ideals that you love and cherish and are important to your culture, but they're not important to me. Not all the time they're not. And I'm not by that saying that God doesn't like us to be here at church on time. Come on! <laughs> but I am saying that there are things that suddenly I find come to my thinking and I say, God, I come before you and I say, God, I don't even know how to start when there's, to- there's no time limit on my coming because I'm so unused to it. I don't know where to begin. And God says, you need to be born again. You need to be born again so that we can understand his will. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, understanding the grace of God, being born again. Now, my fourth point, and this will probably go on into next week, in fact, it will go on into next week, is this. Dependence, not independence. And if you can't remember the things I've already said, I want you to remember this, because this is a key to growing up in God's family. It is an absolutely essential key. Dependence, not independence. This is something that goes back, we could preach on this from Genesis 1 right through to Revelation because this is how we have been made. Adam was created dependent upon God. Dependent upon God. The enemy came to destroy that thinking. You don't need, you, you can become like God if you eat the fruit from this tree. That's right. You don't need to be dependent, you can be independent. And from that corruption, our hearts have been corrupted. And the battle that each of us faces in here as Christians is this, is the battle between dependence upon God and our independent spirit. That's the battle that we face. And that's a key thing. And this is what we need to, all of the things I've been talking about come down to help us with that. I don't want to be independent. I want to be dependent upon you. Because that's where we're supposed to be. And that's where God is taking us back to be but it's something that we've got to seek to learn. So look, let me go back to my story. Here, uh, I break into my story. I'm now married to my lovely wife, Helen. I'm working in the city, city of London. I've been working in the financial markets there. And uh, my job now is a, a futures and options trader. So I, I used to wear a colored jacket and do all the hand signals and all of that sort of stuff. And was trading uh, market making in options. I won't go into that, but it was, it was good fun. It was good fun. A lot of uh, camaraderie and a lot of life on the floor of the, uh, of the life exchange itself. Uh, life is good. Um, we've actually been able to start a family. That wasn't easy going for us. Uh, for Helen and I, it, you know, you make a decision, say, okay, we want to start a family, and then, then nothing happens. And then, okay, well, that, that happens for you know, a few months, and then nothing happens, and for us, it was like a five-year waiting time. And so we understand those who, who want to get pregnant and find it difficult to get pregnant. And for some of you here, maybe you're in that situation, we know the pain. You know that there are people around you who fall pregnant and you feel the pain of that because you're struggling. So we knew that pain. And, uh, and, but God was very gracious to us in the fact that we eventually had Charlotte and then Henry and we were very blessed with our children. We are blessed with our children. We were attending Biggin Hill Christian Fellowship. Uh, we'd moved out of um, 
Coney Hall Baptist Church where we got married. I'm talking about some 27 years ago, this time. Maybe a bit more than that, actually. Anyway, <laughs> time flies, time flies. <laughs> when we were at Biggin Hill Christian Fellowship, there came a point of a number of people who were living in the West Wickham area uh, were going up to the church. And so as it was a, a church-planting church, uh, the pastor there uh, said, okay, let's plant another church back into West Wickham. And we were part of that. Um, with a number of friends around us. And so we planted out West Wickham Christian Fellowship, which became Bromley Town Church. And that is about 20, this is our 27th year ago when that happened. Our pastor was one of our friends, Trevor Payne, and he was uh, the one who became pastor and was leading us. And I was part of his leadership team uh, way back then. And it was, everything was going well. At this time, around the world, there was, in Toronto, there was a move of God. At Toronto Vineyard Church in Canada, there was a move of God, and people were being prayed for, and God was coming on them by the power of his Holy Spirit. And we were encouraged with this, and, and that sort of came into our church. We were praying for people, and God was touching them with his Holy Spirit, moving upon them. People were crying, people were falling on the ground, people were laughing, people were being stirred by God. That was happening in our church, and... There were many different manifestations, some, of course, which obviously caused you to think, hang on, what's going on here? And yet others, you, you could sense, wow, God is moving here. And God was touching lives. I remember he was moving among the young people, our young people at that time, and many of the young people at that time have gone on to do good things and have grown up in God and are strong in God. Johnny being one of those uh, young people, uh, and his brother, and uh, to name just two. So there was a lot of good things that were happening. It was an exciting time. And certainly for myself, I was thinking like, wow, this is a great time, how God has been good to us. We've been able to come out of darkness, if you like. We get saved, we've come into a church, we're uh, experiencing what God wants to do through his Holy Spirit. We're in this church movement that is planting churches and is you know, uh, vibrant in what's going on in the UK. And there was a sense in which like, wow, we come right up and we're right up the, the top part of what God wants to do. Is there any more? You know, God has brought us right up to this point. And I think God probably took me to that point to see, right, okay, now let's just start to change your thinking and start to show you what you don't know. And so there we were, really being encouraged, as I say, but probably not knowing an awful lot in actual fact. And certainly for myself, there came a time, even though we were, were having these meetings, we were praying for people, we were seeing things happen, there's something that to come to my thinking, hang on, we're praying for these people. I prayed for this person a couple of weeks ago, and although they're still falling on the ground or they're laughing or whatever, and there's signs of God coming upon them, actually them, there seems to be no change in their life. They've still got this attitude. They've still, you know, the things that we would unfortunately notice about one another. These things which are like, that's not God, that's not good. They were not changing. And that began to, what, God, what are you doing? You're touching us in one sense, but why are we not changing inside? What's going on here? We love you to come upon us, but we don't really want you to change us. We don't want to let go of things. And this started to bring some questioning into my mind. I would say I was beginning to become a little disillusioned with some of the things I saw around me. But not only disillusioned in that, I was also becoming a little disillusioned in my employment. As I say, I was working up in the city. I worked for a, a firm, for a, a, a company for a while. 
and then I moved to somebody and I became sort of like a semi-independent trader. So uh, that meant that I was able to take a percentage of the profits that I made in market making. And uh, this is when the markets first opened or when the options market first opened. And so there were, it was quite a lucrative time, quite a stressful time, but a lucrative time. And I've been making some good money out of that. Uh, but there were stresses that, that came with it. I remember there was a guy that came and joined my team, uh, a young lad, and he was trading, uh, I was trading short uh, interest rate options. He was trading uh, options on the stock market. Uh, a nice lad, but he took his own life. He lived near here, very sad. And you think, like, wow, it's somebody that I work with and that happened to him. And, and it, you know, things, things were difficult, really, in one sense. Morning. Um, and uh, that's fine, don't, don't worry, that's fine. Well, that is, as long as he doesn't want to come and preach. I mean, okay. <laughs> there is a limit, after all. Uh, so there were some struggles, and I was beginning to get to this point, well, okay, I can make money, or you can make money on some days, because I don't know, whether, when you're actually trading, you have sort of like good days and bad days. I love the good days. Let's just forget about the bad days, but the two do come together, and it gets stressful because one day you're making money and you need to try to make sure that if you're going to lose it, you don't lose more than you made. And sometimes you get in a, a losing run. And anyway, it's called professional gambling, really. Um, but it began, to, it began to get to me. And uh, during this time, Trevor Payne came to me and he said, would you, would you consider coming to work for the church? And I thought, well, I love the church. And I love the things of the church. However, I also like earning some money. And I couldn't quite equate, like, how do I, that life and this life, and how do I move it all together? It was a difficult time. These things were wrestling within me. I was getting stressed. I was getting, uh, yeah, I was getting frustrated. I didn't quite know what to do. Anyway, I went out to Hong Kong. I had the privilege of going to Hong Kong. And I went there for a two-week trip. And the idea of the trip was that I joined a team, and we were to be taking Bibles across the border from Hong Kong. This is actually when Hong Kong was still in English hands. Uh, and so the idea was that you went uh, and you came with the team and you filled up some bags and you took Bibles and you went across the border between Hong Kong and China and uh, you did that every day. And the idea was that when you came, you had a bag and you know like at an airport security, you're supposed to put your bag on, on the conveyor belt and it goes through an x-ray machine. And uh, the idea was you're supposed to do that or try not to do that, just walk past it and get the Bibles passed, and hopefully everything would be all right. And amazingly, you know, I, I, sometimes I was able to walk past. Sometimes I'd even put my bag on the x-ray machine because the guy was pointing at it. And yet, we were able to get through. And so we got the Bibles through the border, and then they would be stored at a safe house. And then we went on a long trip where we actually went across the border, took a good number of sort of like big uh, sports bags full of Bibles, and we then took them on a long train journey up to a town called Zhengzhou, uh, high up into China, and then we met with some of the Chinese Christians, and we handed over these Bibles for them so they could give them out to their, the people in their churches and encourage them, because many people only had like a, a single page of the Bible or a small portion. We don't recognize how blessed we are here, having the Word of God and the easy access to the Word of God. But that, so that's what we did, and it was very exciting, but I was struck that when I met the Christians, they, they didn't have much, but they were joyful in God. And that started to speak into my heart, 
But also, the, this was during the day, we gave them all these Bibles, and then later at night, they said, okay, look, you're going to give out tracts tonight. On the, on the cover of darkness, we're going to go out into the, the community. And in China, they, they have sort of like blocks of flats. You have, maybe have three or four blocks of flats, but around that is a wall, or sort of like a... So you have a community of blocks of flats. And they have a sort of a guard at the gate or whatever. There's a number of these communities. Go to these communities, you'll find hundreds of bicycles, which is true. You just put a tract in one of the bicycle baskets, and that's what we did. So we went out literally under the cover of darkness, and they said, oh, by the way, if you get caught, you'll probably be arrested. So you think, what? So there's an element of like, you know, okay, I'm going to be quite careful here. But we went out at night delivering these tracks out into these bicycle baskets. And we went into these compounds, and I can remember going round the back of one of the compounds and thinking, oh, this must be the bike sheds, because it's broken, dirty, run-down shack, you know. That must be the bike shed. And as I walked past late at night, I heard this person snoring the other side. And for me, at that time, that was my first encounter of what I would say is real poverty. It struck my heart. And yet when you see later on during the day, you see these same people and and they're getting on with life. I'm not saying that life is easy, but they're still living life and they're still joyful in the midst of life, even when they don't have anything. Those things stuck in my heart on that trip. It wasn't, that, that was the thing that affected me most, is that you can have nothing and yet still be joyful. That message struck me. I came back here and then a couple of weeks later, um, New Frontiers, who we were part of then, they had this conference and I went to this conference and there was a big gathering, uh, you know, at least a thousand people, I'd say, in, in this hall. And there was a preacher who was uh, preaching, a guy called Krienzak from, from Thailand, I think. I can remember nothing of what he said. So just encouraging myself in this. <laughs> nothing that he said I can remember. I can't remember his points, can't remember anything. I can remember when he finished, which is probably what some people here remember. So he finished... And as he finished, he gave this rousing call. If you want to give all for Jesus, come down the front. And I was and, and, you know, I was thinking, like, wow, and that touched my heart. I want to give all for Jesus. But as he said that, I stood there and I thought, but you don't know how expensive this is for me. You're talking about giving up my job? I've been holding on to the security of my finances in the city of London and my job. And I literally stood there and I said, God, you don't know how expensive this is. And I can remember in this auditorium, because there were plastic seats, and as you sat on them, you had to lift up the back to sit down, you know, that type of plastic seat. And all over the auditorium, I could hear this click, 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 as all of these people were getting out of their seats and going down the front to give all to Jesus. And I stood up in my seat. I never moved. I just stood there. And in my heart, I was, I was thinking, God, this is expensive. But I look back on that time in China and that, and God said to me, well, he didn't say to me, I just knew in my heart, things need to change. And I went back to Trevor shortly afterwards, and I said to him, I can see no reason why I should stay in my job. I will come and work for the church. But to put this in perspective, the other side of things is I have been going through what I would describe as some sort of a depression, and you know what? When there's big things that are happening in your life, the enemy wants to stop the purposes of God going ahead. The enemy has one interest in your life. And we often think of ourselves as being nothings, which is wrong. 
every one of us is created by him and for him and we have a purpose to fulfill here upon the earth. And the enemy wants to stop that purpose that you're here for coming to pass. And for me, I can remember I got depressed. I was thinking about the money and finances and the pressure at work and I felt like I wanted to end my life. I felt suicidal. There were several occasions when in my mind, you know, the thinking that I had was this, listen, if I kill myself, at least there's a way out of this pressure. And that's what happens. And I'm sure many of you here at times in your life, you have felt like that. I feel this pressure is so great upon me now. The only way I can think of changing this pressure is if I take my own life and get out of here. Now, I'm glad to say that God protected me. And I would pray for you that God would protect you. Do not give in to what the enemy wants to take us from. But trust in a God who is able to help us. Yes, it's true to say, financially, disaster. From the point of view that I was on a high salary and I had to let that fall. But I can also say to you, God has never failed me and has never let me go. And God has allowed me to walk in the things of his spirit from that day, yes, even from the day before, but he has kept me and he is faithful and he will watch over us. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about what position you have. What counts is knowing Jesus and walking with Jesus. That is what counts. Now, folks, we've run out of time here today. And I've only, in this, what I've been saying today, I'm just beginning to talk about dependence or independence. For me, there had to be a dependence upon God and not an independence at that point in my life. I had to say, God, I choose to give this up. And it wasn't, it wasn't really a difficult decision. But I know when I stood in that meeting with Kriensat preaching, that was a key point in it because I recognized this is expensive. And it, losing your independence is expensive. But however, becoming dependent upon God means you are limitless in Him. And all of these things that I'm sharing with you, I know they're connected to my story, but the aim of this is we want to grow up in God's family. And if we want to get stronger and deeper in Him, then we need power from on high. We need to understand the grace that He has for our lives. We need to be able to Remember the third point, and be born again, exactly. Starting right back at the beginning, and we need to learn to be dependent upon him, not independent. Amen. Just while, before we finish the service, I just want to say this, and this is a, a difficult thing, but if anybody wants to receive prayer this morning because you have been going through suicidal thoughts I know the last thing in one sense you want to do is to come out the front because you feel like everybody's going to look at me but the truth is we don't speak about these things because they're so painful but the thing is we don't want the spirit of death to come upon our lives we want life from his spirit to come upon us Amen. and so I just want to say that if, they, if you are feeling like that, then please, don't look at the shame 
that you may feel of what others might say. But just come down here and I'll pray with you because we want God to set you free. We want God to do great things in your lives. Now, you may want to come just down as we're singing the next song. That's fine. Or you might want to come and see me afterwards. The issue, listen, the issue is that we don't want to be in a judgmental situation. The issue is that the spirit of death has no right to rob from people's lives the work that God wants to do in them. That's the issue. And if we're too interested in judging others, oh, that's what they feel like, then we're in the wrong place. We need to get our hearts right. But we want God to be able to do his work. Also, Valeria, I just want to speak over your life this morning. I feel, as I, this morning, I felt a loneliness in your spirit. And I just want to pray for you. Whether that's true or not, I just, just hear me out. I just want God, I'm praying that God will bring you through, my brother, into a stronger place. And don't feel put off by what the enemy wants to do or the noise that surrounds you, but press into God because he wants to lift you up and he wants to strengthen you. So in the name of Jesus, we declare God's blessing over you, Valeri, that everything that the enemy wants to rob from you will be, will be, that God will come in and step into your life and that he will make you strong in your inner being to be able to walk in the things that God wants you to walk in. I stand against the operation of darkness that seeks to come against your life in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Father, that you would put a fire in my brother's life, that you would strengthen him in his inner being. Lord, that you would cause him to be more than an overcomer for you. Lord, that the things that come against him, the things that knock him, the things that upset him, the things that distress him, Lord, give him victory, I pray, in the name of Jesus that he may be declared as an overcomer in the heavenly courts, Lord, and that you would strengthen him with power and might through your Holy Spirit, operating in him and in his family. I pray it over him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Valeri. Bless you. If you want to receive prayer for the things that I've talked about, then do please come forward because we want to lay our hands on you that God might be able to set you free. Amen. Thank you.
Uh, hallelujah. As, as Pastor Jonathan was speaking, I'm scared to do this, but it has to be said. God cannot be another aspect of life for us. Enough is enough. Pastor Jonathan, as he was preaching, read my mail. God has been telling me to go all out. But when you talked about the money, the life, when you compare it to what it seems I will have to go through if I give up. God is all in all. God is above your husband. God is above your wife. God is above your children. God is above everything. It is enough. The body of Christ. People are going to hell every day. And we are having a social gathering in church. And we are enjoying worship. We are enjoying the world. Enough is enough. This world will not change until the people in the body of Christ say Jesus is all. Jesus first before my job. Jesus first before my family. And like Pastor Jonathan says, he will give you all you need. The Bible says he has given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything you need, he has already given you. Step up. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to myself. And for the love of Christ, I'm talking to you. We are family. It is enough. It is enough. It is enough. The job does not come first. You spend eight hours a day at work and two hours in church is too much. My God. You spend 40 hours a week. Some people like me work 12 to 15 hours a day. And church for two hours? Prayer for one hour? My God, it's enough. Pastor, you spoke the truth. You spoke the truth. People of God, let's take it. Let's go out there. Let's pray. Let's worship. Let's bring people to God. That is what God is saying to me and to you. He has above all, above all, it's enough now. It's enough. 2018, it is enough. Jesus is all or nothing. And he will help you. I've seen it in my life. He's telling me to go further. He's telling each of us to go further. He will help you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. That was a powerful morning. Jonathan shared an awful lot about his own story, but in amongst that, there were some very significant points. I think you'll agree. Things that we have to weigh, things that we have to be prayerful about, and the things that we don't think about as soon as we walk out of the front door this morning. Jonathan made a, a very expensive decision that day, didn't he? And I just want to say thank you on behalf of us all, because we're all beneficiaries of that decision. We are, because he made an expensive decision. And Victoria has also spoken about expensive decisions. How do you make an expensive decision like that? It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't do that.
by willpower. You don't do that by deciding, yeah, I think I fancy it today. You do that by the power of the Spirit. And Jonathan spoke during his uh, word this morning about the power of the Spirit. And the power of the Spirit is available, and that is the strength of God. It is the power of God that we can take upon, as it were, ourselves, that he will freely give if we ask that. So I know we've talked about some things this morning. Some things have been said. The matter of despair came up. Uh, you know, but I just want to say, I wasn't here last week, so I don't know what happened. But if you are not filled with the power of the Spirit, or you want to be refilled by the power of the Spirit, you need to come down here too. Because you don't make decisions like we've been talking about this morning outside of that power. Okay? So please take hold of that, understand that. And if you are in the Lord and that you need an indwelling and you need an empowering and you need a pouring out, remember, shaken down, press flowing over is what the Lord wants for you. Remember what I said at the beginning, all things are possible with God. Oh, I've done that before. I went forward, nothing happened. Listen, I went forward lots of times, nothing happened. But then one time it did. Amen? Amen. 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 So be encouraged by that, because this isn't for some, this is for all. Because God has brought you here this morning for a reason. And it's not to while away two hours on a Sunday morning, it's to do business with him. So I just want to encourage you, please, don't be excluded. Come forward. There's plenty of people who will pray. And there's plenty of people who want to see you um, touch by the Lord's heavenly love. So we're going to do that. We're going to finish now in terms of the actual service. So um, if you want, you uh, are free, please, to go and get your children and to also uh, to have a coffee or a tea. If you want to come forward and you know your children are upstairs, hey, look, we've said it before, they are held onto. They're in a safe place. That's all right up there. So come and don't cause that to be an obstruction, as it were, in your mind and your thinking. But otherwise, I'm going to say, you know, have a blessed week. May God go with you. May you be blessed and uh, we'll see you again next week. Amen.